You are listening to the Progress Your Health Podcast, Episode 17. Welcome to the Progress Your Health Podcast with your hosts, Dr. Robert Mackey and Dr. Valerie Davidson, a husband and wife team who specialize in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy and functional medicine. They're here to help you lose weight, balance hormones, and age gracefully. It's their mission to motivate, educate, and empower you to take your health to the next level. And now your hosts, hormone experts, Dr. Mackey and Dr. Davidson. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Progress Health Podcast. I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. So last episode, we talked about sleep. So we thought this would be a good segue and transition into talking about hot flashes and night sweats. So hot flashes and night sweats are technically the same thing, but ask anybody that gets them or has had them, they aren't. Because night sweats, I mean, I've had patients, they'll lay on a blanket or a towel. They change their jammies a couple of times a night. So that's where they're actually sweating. So in relation to ship to sleep. If you're having these night sweats at night, you are not sleeping. Yeah, right. I hear women tell me all the time that the all throughout the night, the covers that come on and off and on and off, they're hot, they're cold, they're hot, they're cold. There's just no kind of middle ground there. It's, you know, and it doesn't even matter whether it's winter or summer. Summertime, you could almost understand that, right? But usually you can get an idea of where a woman's temperature regulation is by asking them what their AC is set on. Now, you and I, of course, we just moved to Washington, but before that, we lived in Las Vegas for a long time. And you and I were dealing with people in Las Vegas and Southern California. And usually, if their AC is set below 75 degrees, you know that they are having some temperature issues. Yeah, the the females, the wives will always be warm and they're hot while their poor husbands are actually cold or they're wearing a jacket. And it is kind of funny. And one thing like, like you were mentioning about the night sweats is they definitely are more intense than hot flashes during the day. Because you had mentioned about the blankets going on and off and on and off because really with the night sweat is people get really cold afterwards. Or if they got they were sweaty, then they get cold and clammy. So like I said, that does not make for a very good night's sleep for the person that's having them. And then the spouse or partner that's probably next to them. Yeah, right, right. They'll, they'll mention that they have, they have a fan on the AC, you know, the, the house is like a meat locker, right? Because it's, you know, in the low seventies, everyone else is freezing and the woman of the house is just barely comfortable. That is a, a significant reason. In addition to the cortisol, like we talked about in the last two episodes, the female hormone changes that a women experience from what would you say it usually starts certainly in the 40s but could probably even and for some women it could even start in the late 30s for some yeah so the problem with um hot flashes and night sweats is it could be coming from hormonal changes which would be in females would be the hormonal changes and definitely you see that probably right around the early to the mid 40s you can start to see that where when a woman goes through actual menopause is when you see, you know, the hot flashes galore, that's usually right in their early fifties. Yeah. Right. And you know, those, unfortunately there's really no set time frame for any of those things. They can just kind of start showing up whenever they want. But like you said, though, there's some very specific hormonal things that are happening. Usually it's a drop in progesterone first and the estrogen stays around for a while and then that starts to decline. So you have this disruption, you have too much estrogen, not enough progesterone, and then pretty soon you don't have anything anymore. And that's when they you know, usually accelerate or exacerbate and get really bad at that point. 
Yeah. So commonly in women that are still menstruating, they might get the hot flashes right before their period, because that's when the hormones are already declining a bit. And that's when they really drop down because it's trying to get a period. So they might have them before their period, but then you combine that kind of hormonal change with stress because it does come down to the adrenals a lot too, is that stress can also cause night sweats and hot flashes and pretty much probably more night sweats. Cause I mean, I'll get women in their late twenties, early thirties, and they're having night sweats and they're asking me if they're going through the change. And of course, no, they are not menopausal. That usually has to come from the cortisol and the adrenals. Yeah. Right. So the different decades, it certainly can show up across the board. The hot flashes or the night sweats for a younger woman would be more than likely just a, another manifestation of PMS. Certainly not like I say, at that age, more than likely, they're not going through the transition that early. I mean, it does happen, I think, in some cases. There are situations where women go into it prematurely, but that's not necessarily very common. But it is, you know, it is a problem because if you're not getting good sleep at night, like we talked about on the last podcast, you're going to feel tired the next day. And as Dr. Mackey had mentioned in the last podcast is if you're not sleeping well, whether it's you're not sleeping or you're having these night sweats, you know, you can forget losing weight. If anything, you're going to gain. But yeah, if you're not sleeping well, you're not going to lose any weight. Yeah, right. And then that whole vicious cycle kind of starts to play on itself. You're, you're stressed to begin with already. Then then it affects your sleep at night, either because of the stress or because of the night sweats. And then you still are not sleeping. And then it creates its own stress because you're not sleeping. And then the whole thing kind of starts to uh, perpetuate over time. And you just, you know, women uh, all the time, they're just exhausted and miserable because they, it's like they never can catch their breath. Yeah. And then it, then the cravings come in. Cause when you're tired, your body wants a little sugar. Cause it thinks in the moment, that's going to give me a little energy, but it's short lived. So the cravings come in, you're tired, you're gaining weight. And then, then also that makes your stress tolerance goes down. So then you become impatient and irritable. So, you know, yeah, night sweats and not sleeping well, that can, that has a whole cascade, almost like a snowball effect to how it's going to affect your quality of life. Yeah. And, you know, you and I, of course, we see because we've kind of positioned ourselves on purpose, right? We deal with these problems for, you know, because we've learned these things over time. Everyone comes to us relatively for the same reasons, but they are in those different decades. They can be in their 20s, they can be in their 30s, they can be in their 40s, they can be in their 50s, they can be in their 60s. And the subtleties, there's a lot of similarities across all those different decades, but there's different subtleties that show up at very specific times of those different decades. You know, what shows up in someone's 20s obviously is maybe not going to show up in a woman in her 60s, but there are some things that kind of that are across the board that can happen at any time. Yeah, you're right. You know, each age is a little bit different when it comes to night sweats and hot flashes. So of course, like I had mentioned, you know, menopause, 51 and a half is the average age of menopause, but I have women that go into menopause earlier. So normally I would say probably on average for me and my practice and our practice, it's probably right around 49 to 50. That's when that estrogen drops and they're having hot flashes during the day and the night sweats at night. But then in the forties, it really has to do more with that progesterone dropping. And then that causes night sweats, but not necessarily hot flashes during the day. And then in the thirties and the twenties, probably the twenties and the thirties is that probably has more to do. Like I'd mentioned with the adrenal glands and the cortisol is stress, whether it's a stressful situation, a chronic stressful situation, a trauma, a traumatic event that will cause the adrenal glands to kind of go a little wonky. And then that causes the night sweats, but it doesn't necessarily cause the hot flashes. 
Yeah, and now two episodes ago when we talked about stress, we mentioned what's called the pregnenolone steal. And that's where uh, when you're under consistent levels of stress, whether it's work, whether it's school, whether it's kids, whether it's family, whether it's just life, whatever, all the above, your body is going to shunt every all its attentions from pregnenolone right to cortisol at the sacrifice of progesterone. So really where a lot of those things earlier on in the 20s, 30s, in the early part of the 40s that start exacerbating all those symptoms is the lack of progesterone that's no longer there because your body is too busy dealing with other stuff. So that's why we kind of grouped these last three episodes together because we kind of thought that they go together well. We talked about stresses in the overview. We talked about sleep and how important that is. Now we're talking about the female hormonal changes. They manifest as hot flashes, but it, it kind of bounces back to those other two that we just talked about fairly easily. Yeah, so depending on what's causing it is what's going to determine how we're going to treat it because the patient comes in, you know, sure, they want to know what's going on, but they just want to sleep. And then maybe for the menopausal female, they their families want a little bit less of the air conditioning on so they have a better, so they don't have like a $400 air conditioning bill because I patients tell me, that, you know, easily $400 air conditioning bill in, in July and August of, in Las Vegas. And then, of course, they don't want to freeze out their, their families and their pets and the people that come over. So there's, you know, there's definitely a lot of different solutions, but it does come down to the cause. But we, we don't just want to, you know, pinpoint one thing fixes it all. Is it a lot of times, you know, I have some people that go through menopause and they don't even have any hot flashes. You know, I think there's a, you know, a huge part that has to do with genetics and lifestyle and kind of current events, wouldn't you say? Yeah. Yeah. And I definitely think that the, why we've talked about it the way we have is because it's that stress component that really pushes women over the edge. The ones that have the highest stress level usually have the worst menopause. If their stress level is not that bad, if life is pretty good and things are in a good working order for the most part, as far as life goes, then their transition sometimes, I think that's fairly rare, but sometimes it's usually a pretty smooth transition. But the higher their stress because of just life and family and whatever, they're the ones that always seem to struggle the most. Yeah. So I would say in terms of, you know, I have lots of different patients that come in. I used probably when I practice first started, I saw more menopausal females. So we kind of dealt with bioidentical hormone replacement and what we, and hot flashes were always number one top of the chart. But now, you know, like Dr. Mackey had mentioned the way we've kind of positioned ourselves and how we've kind of evolved in our practices is I probably see more younger women looking at trying to work on that sleep and those night sweats because of the adrenals. And like you said about the pregnenolone and the pregnenolone steel, shunting it straight into cortisol, then that throws off the progesterone. So I'm probably seeing a little bit more so now like 35 to probably about 45 and a lot of things that end up going with that which will be a completely different podcast is when that progesterone drops a lot of times or fertility drops so we're seeing some issues with that when it comes down to not just night sweats and adrenals but you see you know a whole cascade of even infertility yeah right and this is where the dots start to start to get connected when you see the main core issue, whether it's an adrenal issue, it's a female hormone issue, it's both. Now that's having an effect on thyroid, it's having an effect, like you said, on ovulation, it's having an effect on immune function, it's having an effect on the middle, it's having an effect on all these different things. But once you understand really where all those things are coming from, now you can help someone by besides just giving them birth control and recommending surgery, which is usually the things that when a woman's finally at that point and she's looking for some relief, 
They're not good solutions in the first place. And that's why women are just kind of desperate because they intuition just they just tells them that those are not good options for them. And they're, they keep searching, looking for a better answer. Yeah, because conventionally, your doctor is going to give you sleeping pills. They're going to give you antidepressants. They're going to give you birth control. Or even like Dr. Mackey mentioned, they're going to recommend surgery. I have so many women that have had hysterectomies with their ovaries out, maybe their uterus out, ovaries left in, or the whole thing taken out. And it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. Sure, they don't have periods anymore and they don't have heavy periods anymore, but it doesn't solve the problem. You know, some of them still feel worse. You know, they say, I wish I have some patients say it's actually a, quite a few that say they wish they hadn't had a hysterectomy. Yeah. And I think that hysterectomy probably works for a certain percentage. Maybe they have really bad fibroids or they're bleeding uncontrollably. Yeah. Or the endometriosis and different things like that. Yeah. I definitely think there are some cases, but I think that it's the, you know, I don't know any statistics. I don't, we don't really pay that much attention. And we do see a fair number of women, of course, that always after the hysterectomy, right? That's the one that I find out about is not necessarily before. Some we find, and the transition that you've noticed as far as the patients that are coming, I think you're right. I think it, initially it was all menopausal women, hot flashes and night sweats predominantly. And now as the education has grown, as women keep looking for more and more answers, now it's opened up to a larger demographic. And now it, it spans all those different decades where initially it was geared towards women that are just in menopause. And when we're talking hormone replacement, because that's really what we're talking about here, we'll talk about the solutions here in a second. But that's really the solution to menopause is, is hormones. You can really use hormone replacement in any one of those decades. That's the interesting piece is that it, it, when you know what the problem is based on their age and their situation and all those other things that we've talked about, then you can kind of custom design a treatment, um, whether that's diet, lifestyle, supplementation, or medication, you can kind of custom design based on where that woman is in her life. Yeah, no, that is the cool part because, you know, a lot of patients that come in and, and we have stress and we've talked about this in the past other podcasts, you know, the stress isn't going to go away, but if you can balance the hormones so that you feel better, then the stress won't feel so overwhelming. If you can balance the hormones so that you feel like your energy is better, your motivation's better, your metabolism is better, then you can make better decisions. I tell lots of people all the time when they come in, you know, because they'll, they'll, they'll be going through some stressful situations. I'll say, take a break. Don't make any important decisions until we get you balanced because whatever decision you make right now might not be the best one because you're not really in a good place to make it. So I know we're kind of getting off on a tangent a little bit from the hot flashes and the night sweats, but it's the same thing is if you're not sleeping well, if you're having these night sweats at night, you kind of dread going to sleep or you're getting stuck on some of the over-the-counter medications. I have people that tell me that they take two Tylenol PMs or two Advil PMs and a Benadryl. And I'm just like horrified because that is that not only is that going to become habitual, but you know, that's not good for you in the long term. but I get it. You know, the difference between sleep and no sleep, you know, people want to take sleep, but if we can get you sleeping better, if we can get the, the night sweats down, if we can work on the adrenals and the hormones, then the next day people say, you know, they actually can function. Right. So let's kind of segue a little bit. So let's kind of drill down on a hot flashes and night sweats, which are, like you said, are pretty much the same thing. Okay. A hot flash is during the day. A night sweat is a hot flash at night you can sweat with either one or neither of them. We just use the different terms as a way to differentiate. Would you agree with that description? Oh, absolutely. You're right. There's some people that sweat, some people that don't sweat, and some people, as we call it, become dewy. 
Do we? Okay. Well, I haven't heard that, but let's talk about from segueing from the last one about sleep. You know, we're talking about a night sweat that's just a hot flash at night. That's what we talked about. The covers coming on and off. Both of those issues, hot flashes or and or night sweats, which are in our mind, at least we look at them the same way because predominantly it is because of a lack of estrogen. Now, granted, the sleep can make it worse. It can be because of sleep. We said it could happen earlier when a woman's, you know, having PMS trouble. But for that woman that is in, let's say, her mid-40s to the mid-50s, it is predominantly a estrogen issue. At least that's the way that we approach it as being predominantly an estrogen issue. So there are a lot of, and I'm kind of saying this tongue-in-cheek, there's a lot of menopausal formulas out there as far as supplementation. What is your opinion of most of them? You know, those phytoestrogens for someone going through menopause are probably not going to be strong enough. They sometimes, to, you know, to give it credit can help during the day, but at night you need something a lot stronger because when we're sleeping at night, our temperature actually does go up. Our internal core temperature goes up a little, you know, a tiny bit because by raising up the temperature, it kills viruses and little bugs that we've maybe collected throughout the day. So that's why when people will talk about their first going through menopause or when we're trying to adjust their hormones is the the night sweats are always worse. And, and a lot of times they'll say, I don't even have any hot flashes during the day, but it's the night sweats and I actually have to change up their dose. So they do a little bit more of whatever formulation we have at night to account for that. And the thing with the hot flash, just to kind of go back to hot flashes, night sweats, you know, the same thing is what happens is your internal thermostat kind of gets a little off and all the heat from the inside goes to the periphery, which is why you feel hot on the outside. You get a little sweat or dewy, or you get a little red. But, and then afterwards, because your internal core temperature is actually lower than it was to begin with is why people get cold afterwards, like that bone chill cold. That's why the covers are going on and off. They see that more at night rather than during the day because of the way the, you know, that th internal thermostat is changing for our immune system at night. Yeah, right. So looking at that problem, the hot flashes and night sweats as being kind of a, a main issue, you can use some of the over-the-counter things and there's a lot of them that are out there. But if you got significant hot flashes and or night sweats, those over-the-counter things are just not going to work. Now, you and I are naturopaths, right? So we like to use the least force intervention whenever possible. The reason why we use hormones is because you have to use what works. And sometimes those, the supplementation side, the black cohosh, the all the other phytoestrogens, we don't use those most of the time because they're just not effective. Maybe for a woman that has mild menopause, mild hot flashes, mild night sweats, it might be somewhat beneficial. But for someone that is having really, really intense either one of them, and especially if it's affecting her sleep, the only thing that's really going to help that is giving her estrogen. Yeah. And always, you know, a lot of our listeners know a lot about hormones. They know a lot about health. Everyone knows there's different types of estrogen. We always use the bioidentical and you always want to pair it with progesterone. So if someone's having, if we're going to do that hormone replacement, we do the progesterone and the estrogen. But like you had mentioned, somebody that maybe is in their forties, still menstruating. So they're making some estrogen, maybe not as much as they used to. They usually aren't making any progesterone. So you just add in some, you know, some bioidentical progesterone that way. And we could go on and on about the different types of bioidentical estrogens and progesterones and doses and, you know, different formulations and how they're taken and when they're taken, but that would be hours. <laughs> yeah, we, we can, we'll, we'll probably touch on some of those later, but just the 
for women that are out there looking or they're desperate to try to find a solution. And, you know, some women, to be honest, they are, you know, maybe because their doctor told them they're kind of anti-hormone. And I think that's just sometimes for all the wrong reasons, right? The doctor is anti-hormone because they don't prescribe them. They don't know how beneficial they can be. They don't know how life-changing they can be for a woman. And there's this idea that they're unsafe. You and I don't subscribe to that. Do they need to be managed properly? They need to be dosed properly? Absolutely. They are still hormones. They are still medication. But there's really, you know, nothing to fear when it comes to hormone replacement because it, in a lot of cases, it is the only thing that will actually work for you. Yeah. So the conventional hormones versus the bioidenticals, and I could go on and on about that, but your typical way back when Premarin and Prempro, which I, I know some people are still on it, are completely 180 degrees different from bioidentical hormones. Now, because bioidentical hormones are so popular, conventionally they're coming out with estradiol patches or coming out with some kind of like synthetic types of progesterone to say, Hey, that, you know, they're safe, but they're not, like you said, they have to be managed. And a lot of times we like to custom formulate and do compounds so we can keep the levels at a, an appropriate level. Cause yeah, of course, too much of a good thing in anybody is not going to be healthy for them. So that management is key. And I have a lot of people that come in and they tell me that they're on bioidentical hormones and I look at what they're on and they're not, you know, they're just not, I mean, it's got tons of fillers and garbage in there. It's, you know, they're taking it orally. So it's going through the liver. I mean, there's so, like I said, there's so many different ways to take it. It really does need to be managed. But like Dr. Mackey had mentioned about that pregnenolone steel, when a female, whether she, maybe she's in her thirties is when that stress is up and that pregnenolone is shunting itself to cortisol, their progesterone goes down. So, you know, I'll do bioidentical progesterone in women in their thirties easily. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's one, one of those, like if there was ever like a magic, a magic pill, it's giving a woman progesterone, right? Because it'll help in all the different decades. It'll help them in some way, shape or form, whether it's getting rid of their irritability, it'll kind of level up their mood. It'll help their heavy periods. Maybe, you know, granted I'm saying maybe because there's obviously different scenarios, but by and large, it tends to work and progesterone by itself can have an effect on the hot, a positive impact on the hot flashes and the night sweats. So though, you know, I think those are great options, but let's say, you know, let's, you know, give the other side, let's say you don't have access to that. Let's say you really don't want to take anything that's hormonal like that. Maybe you have had breast cancer or you have a high family risk of breast cancer. And that's a whole nother story too. But all in all, you just don't want to do, you know, you just don't want to do the hormones. I get it. Like we said, there's not a lot of strong heavy hitters out there to help with those night sweats, but there's a few different things. Like we had talked about the adrenal glands, working on the adrenal glands. There are some phytoestrogens. I'm sure a lot of you have heard of black cohosh. There's a little bit of some on the fence discrepancies, you know, people on different sides of the fence on whether doing phytoestrogens is proper for somebody that's had breast cancer or high family risk because it's stimulating those estrogen receptors, or maybe it's okay for them. All in all, you know, you definitely want somebody to help you manage this. But, you know, I would kind of bounce back to saying if you really don't want to take hormones, you really don't have to. There are some other alternatives. Yeah, right. You know, whenever we're assessing someone, we're always like in our minds, at least this is the way that I do it. I'm not really sure how you do it, but I'm always thinking about the primary metabolic hormones, insulin, cortisol, thyroid, and there's a bunch of other ones, but those are the ones, the primary ones, those are considered the primary ones because we can't live without them. And then you look at the secondary hormones, the sex hormones, the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, the DHEA, we can easily live without those hormones, right? We can live a long, relatively healthy life without 
without those hormones. That's why we can spay and neuter our animals. They don't die, right? Because, but we're, we're having a negative impact by doing that where there's a consequence to their sex hormones. They can't reproduce anymore. We can have an impact on the female hormones via the primary metabolic hormones. So like I said, you know, that's where diet and lifestyle does come into play, focusing on the sleep, modifying the diet, minimizing. Unfortunately, if you're not going to do hormones, you got to minimize the wine. You got to minimize the sugar, the coffee. Yeah. Got to minimize the refined carbohydrates. Those things will definitely have an impact on the hot flashes and the night sweats. The more out of balance those metabolic hormones are, as we've been trying to allude to, that's been the point that the worst that that menopause is going to be. So yeah, there's some women that don't need to do hormones if they take care of those other things. The the severity of the female hormones or the menopause or the hot flashes in some ways is just kind of manifestation of, of how much imbalance there is on the metabolic side. Yeah, definitely. I have, you know, women that come in and, and we don't want to do the hormones with them. Maybe they had a family history of their mom had breast cancer, their grandmother had breast cancer. And there is a mental space too, that if I feel like somebody's taking something that they don't feel comfortable with, it's not going to be positive in the long run. So we just don't go there. And like you had said, 95% of the equation in anything is really our diet and lifestyle is working on that diet, working on that lifestyle. And then the previous podcast we did to this uh, trouble falling asleep, trouble staying asleep is a lot of times I'll use those sleep protocols with menopausal females that we're not doing hormones with because it, it works. It helps them stay asleep. They still might have a doozy about night sweat every once in a while, maybe one a night, but they're not having them multiple times a night. So it's a way to try to get their sleep as best as they can. And then just on a side note, you know, there's a lot of practitioners out there and a lot of them are really good, but if you are maybe not a candidate for hormones. It's not just estrogen and progesterone you're worried about. I had a one patient recently, her, you know, she is not a candidate for hormones, high family history of breast cancer in her family. And she went to, you know, kind of an anti-aging practitioner and she came back with DHEA and pregnenolone. And, you know, like we had talked about, those are kind of mother hormones. Those are pro hormones. They could possibly turn into estrogen. They could turn into progesterone. They could turn into anything they want to. And I said, as a human, this probably in your family history, this probably isn't a good thing for you. And at the same time, of course, she's having these terrible night sweats. And I said, they're probably not going to do anything for your night sweats anyway. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, So that's why, you know, there's unfortunately in our world, the type of medicine that we practice, there really isn't there's a bunch of ways to solve problems. When you go to the doctor, the conventional doctor, whether you go to a doctor in Texas, you go to a doctor in California, you go to a doctor in Maine, depending on what you're going there for, you're going to pretty much get the same treatment, right? There's a standardization to the care that you receive and they call it, they call it the standard of care that certain conditions are meant to be treated certain ways. And there's consistency from whatever doctor you go to. Now for some things that works fine, right? Menopause, uh, perimenopause, PMS, not so much, right? That is where it is a very, very much an individualized situation. It has to be kind of addressed that way because women are, you know, they're their own individuals. Every woman's different. Every woman's situation's different. You can't lump them all into the same bucket and give them the same pills for every single person. It just doesn't work like that. Yeah, which is unfortunate because even, you know, conventionally they'll do antidepressants for hot flashes and 
But that's, see, you just don't want to get down the rabbit's hole on that. Once you're on them, it's so hard to come off of it. And, and I had patients tell me, oh yeah, my doctor tried to give me this antidepressant, but I'm not depressed. I'm yeah. like, of course you're not. <laughs> and the reason why they do that is because the antidepressants, the predominantly the SSRIs, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors, that's your Celexa, your Paxil, your Prozac, uh, Zoloft, those are all SSRIs. The reason why they do that is because it's supposed to increase serotonin. Serotonin has an impact on the thermal regulatory centers in the brain. So it's actually, there's some kind of indirect research to indicate that it may have a positive impact on reducing hot flashes. Whether it actually does that or not, I think it's a poor attempt at helping women solve a, you know, a pretty common problem. And I've had some patients on those because of that, they come in or they're, or I haven't seen them in six months and they come in on this medication. And sometimes it does work. I'd say about 50% of the time it does reduce the night sweats and the hot flashes. But there's a price to pay for being on medication. Yeah, especially those, because I definitely agree. I think that the longer you're on an SSRI, it actually depletes you of neurotransmitter the longer you're on it. So, you know, like you said, once you're on it, then you try to go off it because you don't really want it anymore. And then all of a sudden you're having a bunch of side effects from going off it. And now you're forced to stay on it because you can't tolerate the side effects of not being on it. Now, now you're kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. So, you know, I mean, definitely... The conventional, and like I said, there is a standardization to medicine, which in a lot of situations works very well. These types of female hormone problems that we're talking about requires a certain level of individualization and customization. That's really what we're trying to get at. Boiling it down before we run out of time, when we're talking about hot flashes and night sweats, it is on the surface an estrogen issue, but it can still be dealt with kind of in some indirect sort of ways that can definitely be very effective. Absolutely. And, and we kind of touched on lots of different ages, lots of different topics on this, even though we were trying to stay on our, you know, hot flashes and night sweats. But I'm sure if any of you have any questions, you can go on our website or you can give us an email at help at progressyourhealth.com. Like Dr. Mackey had mentioned, sometimes we get a lot of emails. We may not actually email you personally back, but we definitely want to try to address people's questions on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. And we certainly encourage the conversation. We encourage your questions. If you're having that question, like I said the last time, there's probably hundreds, if not thousands of other people that are having a similar question. And, you know, we know what a lot of those questions already are, right? Because we hear them all the time. People come in and they finally appreciate being able to talk to someone that actually has answers to their questions. And when you're going on Dr. Google, trying to look for information, sometimes that information is not, you know, it's either not detailed enough, it's not accurate enough, or it's skewed in kind of a, the wrong way and you don't really get the right information that is specific to you as an individual. And we're talking about these things, you know, the individualization side is really, really important. So again, that email is help at progressorhealth.com. The website is of course, Progressor Health. Any last final things to add, Dr. Davidson? No, 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 this was great. All right, so until next time, I'm Dr. Mackey. And I'm Dr. Davidson. Take care, bye-bye. Take care, bye. Thank you for listening to the Progress Your Health podcast. If you like what you've heard on this podcast, please give us a positive review on iTunes. This allows us to spread our message, grow our audience, and help more people around the world. For more information, visit our website at progressyourhealth.com.